0: Welcome to the show. Today is Wednesday, November 17th, 2021, live here from Kenosha, Wisconsin. For this installment of the Yacht Show, I am your host, Andy Yacht. And we have a full slate to talk through today. We have Major League Baseball, a couple free agent pitchers have inked deals. There's rumors about how much Freddie Freeman's going to be making a big-time veteran pitcher, is going back to a place we didn't think he'd go to. The Yan- there are Yankee rumors and awards. Six of the eight awards have been announced already. From there, we'll go to the NFL. We'll talk about last week's slate, predictions for this week's slate, which I forgot to do last week. We'll talk about my fantasy lineups. Then college football, we're going to talk about last week and this upcoming week's uh, slate of games, Th- update the Heisman leaderboard, and talk about the new college football rankings. College basketball, this has been a week of upsets, so we're going to break that down. And lastly, we're going to end with some good old Bulls and Blackhawks talk. All of that and more. The Yacht Show starts right now. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the show. Let's dive right into it. Major League Baseball, we have seen some dominoes fall for uh, free agency in pitching this week. We'll talk about the three. Actually, let's just start at the top. Eduardo Rodriguez sends a five-year, $77 million deal with The Detroit Tigers. Now, here's the thing with Eduardo Rodriguez. I like, I don't mind him. And I I guess a lot of people are talking, ooh, you know, pitching at Fenway is difficult. And, you know, it's it's tough to gauge. I don't mind him going to Comerica. Comerica is very, it's a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. And I think it's a good fit. I just don't like the money aspect. And I get Detroit's got a lot of money to spend. They got a lot of young kids through their system that are, are coming up. They're gonna have Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. They're gonna be up this year. You know, they're they're hopefully gonna be in on one of these shortstops. So I think from that perspective, yeah, I mean it, it makes a lot of sense going out and getting Eddie. And I think Eduardo's a solid pitcher. But the money, and I like I said, yeah, they do have a lot of money to go around, but they got to be careful with it at the same time. You know, we've learned teams who are starting to be in and get ready to go. You can't just throw money, a ton of money at everyone you see, but I just think they wanted to secure a uh, veteran pitcher in their staff. You know, they have young guys. They got former number one pick Casey Mize. They got Man- Matt Manning, um, Tarek Skubal, hopefully be back. You know, maybe Spencer Turnbull, throw his name into the hat. They still have Matthew Boyd. So, you know, they got a whole slew of guys to work with. Obviously, Manning and and Mize are the young kids. They're going to be in there for sure. Now there's going to be Eddie Rodriguez. And then just kind of competing for the back-end spots. You know, we see guys like Scooball, Turnbull, Joey Wentz will be in there. Um, Matthew Boyd, if he's still around, you know, that's the name. So they're looking good from the pitching aspect. Uh, The bullpen's going to be a little different. It's going to ebb and it's going to flow. And then from a positional standpoint, you know, they went out and got Tucker Barnhart, which, you know, that move's looking a lot. It's looking better and better by the day now, now that we know what their approach is. And I think they have enough in-house for a backup. You know, the Grayson Griner, Eric Hase. I think those are like the two guys that can compete for that job. And on the infield, I mean, this is even without, um, you know, Torkelson. You know, they got they obviously have Miggy, Jonathan Scope, who they made an in-season extension to. They got a lot of guys, Isaac Paredes, former Cubs prospect, you know, a guy who they can really work with. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Nico Goodrum. He might be non-tendered. Chamber uh, Candelario, they definitely got to keep that guy around. And then if they add a shortstop into the mix, and Torkelson, there's a lot of pieces to work with in that infield. I think that outfields where things are a little bit more thin. Um, They like Akil Badu, but he is a, obviously a left-handed bat, struggles mightily against left-handed arms. So I think what they should do from this perspective, if they want to put him out in center or left, wherever they want to put him, they got to find him a veteran or just any right-handed bat on the market that can stay healthy and play consistently and hits lefties well to have a platoon in, in his position. Robbie Grossman had a good season last year. He can play every day. Derek Hill, you know, former former well-known prospect. He's kind of struggling. He's kind of working into his own. But then they got Riley Green, as an outfielder who's ready to go too. So this team, uh, give this team some time. You'll, you'll definitely see Detroit turn around this year, and it's a good start. I definitely think they're going to be in on one of these shortstops. I think Carlos Correa is going. I have Correa going there, and, and I think next week is when we'll really dive into predictions of who, who hasn't gone at this point because I want to talk more about the signings that have been done so far and then obviously award season. I think the MVPs are tomorrow. I thought they were supposed to be today, but I think they're tomorrow, so we'll talk about the others that have been done. Um, I'm four for six, by the way, so pretty pumped about that. But overall, good move. The money, I don't like, but I think it'll be all right for for Detroit and Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, Another one, uh, Noah Syndergaard, one year, $21 million with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Once again, not a bad fit, but the money. Why are you throwing $21 million at a dude who practically hasn't pitched since 2019? Didn't pitch in 2020. Actually, I don't think he pitched much at all in 2020, if he did. I don't think he did off the top of my head. And he threw a couple innings at the back end of 2021. So you're banking on a dude who hasn't really had a full season of pitching under his belt in a few seasons, but it's a one-year deal. So I guess the money isn't as big of a deal. It would be huge if they hit on this, but I I definitely think they were trying to get a Justin Verlander who is is off the market or, you know, a guy like a Max Scherzer, Robbie Ray type deal. But I, you know, I guess you got to take it where you can get it. And they saw the opportunity to go get a pitcher and they may have overspent on it, but it's a one-year deal. And I think they'll be all right um other rumors freddie freeman is looking to attain a six-year deal in the 200 million dollar range once again money is kind of weird in the mlb because you know there's no salary cap i mean i think he should go get what's rightfully his but i, I think atlanta has to take this at some caution i think they're going to i think he's going to go back to atlanta but they, they that's going to go for a little while because i'm sure the two sides if he wants six years two hundred million, i think atlanta offered him like 135 140 so those two sides are nowhere near meeting right now in terms of what they have in mind but I think it'll get done. He'll go back there. Those are just some, some rumors that are going around. Um, just recently today, we have two, but we'll talk about the lesser significance first. Well, this isn't a non-significant deal, but it's just the other deal is that much more significant. Uh, Brandon Belt accepted his $18 million qualifying offer for the San Francisco Giants, I think this is the best of all worlds. I think Belt knew if he had hit the market and tried to find a multi-year deal he would have ended up losing out on average annual value. I just think, you know, he's, he's, I like, he likes San Francisco. He's been a guy there, $18 million. I mean, you're not going to say no. I think it's a win-win for both sides and he'll be right back playing first base for the giants next year. Uh, Justin Verlander, this is the big one. He's back to Houston one year, $25 million. That's a lot. That's a lot of change. That's not far off of what Syndergaard got. So that really makes you think, you know, the angels were really desperate, but Verlander made it known. He did not want to pitch on the West coast. He was either thinking, Originally, it was either Detroit or the East Coast, so I think he kind of threw everyone off by going back to Houston. I don't think, much, I don't think anyone thought he was going back to Houston. A lot of people were saying Detroit or the Yankees. I think those were the, the main two. I think the White Sox were kind of getting in on it as well. Him going to Houston completely surprised me, which I love about free agency. And if, if if you're out there and if your team isn't supposedly in like me, the Cubs, but then again, we're not trying to compete like Houston is. But if your team, if your team trying to compete, oh, we're not really in on this guy. Dude, anything can happen. And I think this is a prime example. He's back in Houston where nobody thought he would be. Um, he got his bag, and I think he's going to throw really well this year. You know, in his side session that he he pitched in front of scouts last week, he ran it up to 97. He looked really good according to a lot of scouts. So that's a huge land for the for the Strohs. It, we'll have to see where they're at in the shortstop market. Cause I don't think Correa is going back to them. I don't know if they're gonna try to stay in house and move Bregman over there and try and get a third baseman like Chris Bryant in the lesser market, or if they're just going to completely work in house. I have no idea on that. I guess we'll just have to wait and see there, but big deal for Verlander, big deal for the Astros. Uh, last thing about free agency. That's been kind of a big deal. And this came out today. Apparently the Yankees. This was from the NI- and New York Daily News, so take this with a grain of salt. I don't know if this is completely accurate, but I mean, if it came up with my on my notifications on social media and on many sports apps, it's got to be somewhat true. Apparently the Yankees are out on all of the big market shortstops. This really blows my mind, and I mean, I don't. I'm not a huge Yankee. I'm not a pro Yankee guy, so I mean, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't affect me one way or the other. But if I'm the if I'm the Yankees, you have. And I get maybe not wanting to do the long-term commitment. You want to lock up other guys. And you're already, I mean, they, they, they're they the Yankees. They can afford almost anything. But they do have a lot of money on their books right now. Uh, maybe it's long long-term commitment. I don't know. But, dude, they need a power all-star caliber left-handed bat that can play in their lineup every day. They are, have an opening at shortstop. And Corey Seager is literally on the market. And I i just, it's hard to wrap my head around. I don't know what they're, they're trusting Glaber. They brought up that Andrew Velasquez kid this year. I guess they're just going to stay in house. I think they're going to extend Rizzo. That might be the extent of their moves. Maybe they—I think they're going to try and go get an R. Maybe they—they want to spend money that way. I mean, I guess they can't spend everything, but I mean, even though they practically do. But I just found that crazy. I could have definitely seen Story or Seeger with the with the pinstripes in New York. But now, if they're out on all shortstops, it really shakes up the market. Uh, teams that I've seen um, in in play, I've seen. Well, apparently the Yankees are out Um, in terms of who's looking. Texas has popped up multiple times as a possible suitor for shortstop. I've seen, oh, I've seen story. They've said Texas in St. Louis. Now that the Yankees are out, it really throws everything off because I think everyone was anticipating. Uh, Detroit obviously needs one. I think they're going to get Correa. And that's really it. So teams who you might not think of, teams like the Seattle Mariners, Houston Astros, hey, man, just because they're not getting credit doesn't mean they can go make a play for a guy like Trevor Story. I feel like Trevor Story is the guy being linked to the most teams. But I guess now maybe a team's got to come in and take the Yankees' place. I'm telling you, and this might be a little biased, Chicago Cubs could sneak up and make some moves. But then again, I don't trust Hoyer in this ownership for anything. So I could very also see us sitting on our hands like a bunch of losers that we are in our front office that, that we have. we got a bunch of losers running this team. But that's just my opinion. Like right now, they, the Cubs are not going to be aggressive, and it's irritating. It's irritating to to sit back and go, why? And I I know they want to think the kids, the prospects. I saw a video of Pete Crow Armstrong taking swings in the cage the other day. They did a great job with the trades. I shouldn't. I was a little harsh. I shouldn't call them losers. They did great jobs in the trades. But I don't know why they don't want to go out there and make the moves that are. There's guys out there. This is the, one of the best free agent classes, and we're just they're just not going to do anything, and it's just irritating. If the commitment, if they're, if they're not looking long term deals, I mean, then obviously they're not in on any of these shortstops. And I get that we have Horner and Magic Rawl, but if you're telling me that the opportunity is there, I'd rather have there be too much of some of players at a certain position. You can always move guys around. If you get a Corey Seager for like an eight-year deal, yeah, you can move him over to third as he gets older. If you're afraid of his range at short, he could still play third. He's got the arm to play third. And he's gonna have the stick to do it as well. It's just, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see. I have no hopes. I I'm going to this offseason anticipating nothing, from this from this from this front office. This and it's just disappointing. We're we're in for a long stretch here in Chicago for sure. Now, award reflections so far. Um, there are six that have been released. I'm four for six. I have got The only ones I've gotten wrong have been AL Manager of the Year, which I'm pretty livid about, and the NL Cy Young, which I'm also livid about, but I also saw that happening more. Um, NL Rookie of the Year, Jonathan India, the Cincinnati Reds, one of one, we predicted that. I mean, it was pretty obvious based on the statistics. Uh, two of two was Randy Arozarena. The Rookie of the Years were the easiest to call From Tampa as the AL Rookie of the Year um no manager there Gabe Kapler I also feel like that was a layup and then the AL Cy Young Robbie Ray I think that's got to be my proudest pick because I feel like that out of the four that I've gotten right was not a gimme at all the Cy Young awards were not a gimme um NL Cy Young it went Corbin Burns and I, I guess you look at the numbers he had a two four three RA right, which is outstanding but Scherzer was just so dominant and he threw so much more in his numbers he had a lower whip than Burns and way more innings pitched it was just super impressive that's just me being a stat nitpick, nitpicker. So I guess it, it makes sense, but it's it's fr- not frustrating. I don't really care. I mean, I didn't put much stock in it. It's not like I had money on these picks or anything. But I wanted to go perfect for the pod, and we're sitting at four for six. I'm thinking we're going to get Shohei, so it's five for seven. So worst-case scenario, it's going to be five for eight, slightly lower 50% just because of the NL MVP. I think I finalized Soto, but I could literally see it being Harper, too. It's going to be one of those two. It's literally a coin flip, in my opinion. Harper, I'm like, if you were just a fan watching the season, you'd say, oh, Bryce Harper by far. But when you look at the numbers, it's Soto, and it's not even close. So it'll be really interesting to see how the voters do that. Um, and then AO Manager of the Year, I got really fired up about this one. They give it to Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, yeah, I mean, they won 100 games. They won their division when they were totally not expected to after losing Blake Snell and all that stuff. That's great. I guess, you know, you can't put playoffs into this, but dude, Scott's service of the Seattle Mariners made them a team of attention to the very last game of the season. And that's like something worth noting. They won 90 games. The Seattle, the future is very bright in Seattle. And I think this was a huge, like Scott's service, dude, people thought he was on the hot seat heading into this season. I think that's why you win manager of the year is, is when, you haven't had a great past. Obviously, Kevin Cash has had a great past. This is the second straight year winning this award. And he took the raise to the world series in 2020. I was I don't know. I was pretty livid about that. But that's that's what we've gotten so far. I don't know when the MVP awards are being announced. I thought they were the 17th. I thought they were tonight. There will be awards. 2021. Oh, okay. So the MVP awards are tomorrow night, so we'll have to talk about that on next week's show. But yeah, four for six so far. And the only one that's really bothered me is the—I mean, I don't like the Brewers, so that one bothers me, but not for the reasons of my picking. I saw that I—I could have seen I have any of those guys winning it besides Wheeler. But the AL manager of the year, I definitely think Scott Service got robbed, and that—that that I will—I will fight for that very, very strongly. So that'll be our—that concludes our baseball talk for the week. We will now head into our NFL. We will talk breakdown last week's games. And we'll talk about my picks. I made a really bad mistake, and I apologize to all the listeners of the pod from last week. I said in the pre-show that I was going to, and even in the description for the show that I was going to talk about my picks. I did not. I mean, lucky for you guys, there really wasn't much much to miss. I picked one, two, three, four, five, six games right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. I went six, seven, and one last week. It was a very bad week. So lucky for. I mean, you guys didn't miss out on anything super. I don't know if anyone listening takes any stalker or uses my picks for their own confidence pool. I mean, I don't know. You definitely should not, based on my my track record for this year. But we'll break it down anyways. Uh, Thursday Night Football, Ravens, Dolphins. Dolphins, 22-10 at home over the Ravens. I had 12 points on the Ravens in this one. This one just completely shocked me. I mean, I think it shocked the whole football world. The Ravens looked lost. The whole This was a really hard football game to watch. But it wasn't the worst game of the week. And when the worst game of the week comes, I think I'll sound off on that as well. This was just difficult, man. I mean... The Ravens offense looked all sorts of lost. Lamar, I mean, fantasy perspective, he picked it up and I think finished with, like, 17, so all the fantasy owners out there probably weren't two. They were probably okay with it. Mark Andrews had a fine fantasy game, six grabs, 63 yards, and a touchdown. The running game, nothing. The defense looked awful. Miami's defense looked awesome. I'm going to add that right now. They looked fantastic. They finished the game with four sacks, five tackle for losses. Like, they looked phenomenal. And they capped the game off with an interception, and they just did everything right, and so ended up winning it for him. Tua came in in relief out of the bullpen for Jacoby Brissett, and he looked—he didn't look terrible. He didn't make any mistakes, which is huge, and he looked comfortable-ish. Besides the O line not really giving him a ton of protection, but nonetheless, huge win for Miami. They're three and seven. Ravens fall to six and three. Uh, I got 11 points on this one, and this was, oh, man, this may have been the ugliest in terms of a blowout for the weekend and maybe the season. 43-3, Dallas over the, the Falcons. I had 11 on Dallas. I mean, Dallas did everything right in this game. Prescott bounced back in a huge way, 24-31 in the air, 296 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Zeke Elliott had two touchdowns on the ground, big game for him, and the receiver, the overall offensive star outside of, of Dak for the day was C.D. Lamb, six grabs, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Big fantasy day for C.D. Lamb owners. And Dallas's defense, they, they blocked a punt for a touchdown. Special teams did all aspects of the game did something right for Dallas. They had three interceptions on Matt Ryan, less than one fantasy point for Ryan. If, if for some reason, if you started Matt Ryan in your fantasy last week, I am very sorry. Atlanta scoring three points. I mean, there's offense is nothing to talk about. Actually, Ryan threw two picks. Josh Rosen came in and threw an interception. Literally nothing positive to say about Atlanta in this game at all. I mean, you lose by 40 on the road. I mean, what what can I positively say about you? Dallas comes back after a really rough loss against Denver at home the week before they play the chiefs this upcoming week in a big one, 43, three Dallas. They moved to seven and two. Uh, next one I got right. Bill's 45 jets 17. I was really hoping I'd get, I had 13 points on the bills. If I didn't get this one, right. Ooh, we'd have some issues. If I can pull up the box score, Mike white, the Mike white era in New York has ended. Uh, he threw four interceptions in this one. Michael Carter scored a touchdown. I think Michael Carter, fantasy owners, I don't know how many fantasy points he finished with. Let me try and do some quick math Uh PPR. He had eight points receiving one touchdown makes 14 and he had four 18, not a bad day for Michael Carter. I'd be okay with that if I was a fantasy owner, especially if I knew his team lost by 28 by four touchdowns Uh bills, offense is back. I mean, they, they had to take out their frustration from the Jags game on someone. It happened to be the jets, Josh Allen, two touchdowns in the air. Singletary, Matt Breida, and Zach Moss all got touchdowns on the ground. Stephon Diggs had the big game in the receiving corps, eight grabs for 162 yards and a touchdown. Buffalo moves to six and three on the season. Jets fall to two and seven. Uh, next up, Browns Patriots. Whew, this was ugly. I didn't even remember who I picked in this game. I this was, I knew I had three points in the Browns, my lowest fantasy or my lowest point total, and I I knew it was my lowest point total, so that's why I didn't even remember who I picked. I ended up picking Cleveland, which was very disappointing. I thought I picked New England. But they won forty-five-seven, huge win for the Pats. Mac Jones looked awesome, nineteen twenty-three in the air, one hundred ninety-eight yards, three touchdowns. Ramondre Stevenson, the rookie, had himself a day on the ground with twenty carries, one hundred yards, and two touchdowns. Jacoby Myers found the end zone for the first time in his NFL career after one hundred thirty-five career interception or er, receptions, four grabs, forty-nine yards, and a touchdown for him. Cleveland looked all out of sorts. Miles Garrett chewed out the coaching staff after the loss. Nothing really positive to talk about. Baker is getting beat to heck in that backfield. He is a warrior but just did not end up playing a good football game, and Cleveland's got to go back to the drawing board for this upcoming week. Uh, Next game. Man, this was the ugliest football game I think I've watched in a very long time, and I watched Thursday night football this week. The fact that Thursday, the Thursday night game was not the ugliest game, that really says something. We have a tie. The Pittsburgh Steelers tied the Detroit Lions 16-16. The Lions will not be the first team in NFL history to go 0-17. I know what you're thinking. Andy, there have been multiple zero winless teams throughout a season. Yes, but those teams are 0-16. We now play in the NFL where there are 17 games. So Detroit would have been the first 0-17 team. They are not. They could still go winless, but they are not going to lose 17 games this season. The only positive light on this Lions offense, DeAndre Swift had 130 yards on the ground. Granted, it was on 33 carries because... This, the weather conditions at Heinz Field were abysmal. No big bend in this game. Mason Rudolph attempted 50 passes, 30 of 50, 242 yards, of touchdown, and a pick. Najee Harris, 26 carries on the ground for 105 yards. Deontay Johnson coughed up a huge fumble in overtime. They get the ball back, and then Pat Fryermuth coughs up a huge fumble in overtime. Both kickers looked – I mean, not both kickers. The Lions kicker, I should say uh santoso ryan santoso 48 yarder for the win i get the conditions were awful he kicked that ball probably like 35 yards not a good look i don't even know if if Fryermuth caught that ball and got out of bounds it would have been 50 plus yards in those really really bad wintery conditions up in pittsburgh i don't know if boswell would have made that kick nonetheless this is a really bad game for pittsburgh not a good look 16 16 the final we have a tie i wanted to actually talk about this real quick the nfl needs to get rid of ties you can play a traditional overtime period, but after that, make it like college, red zone and on. First one to score, t- or yeah, it's like a shootout style at the red zone. It's first and goal from the from the twenty. Let's dance. You know, okay, we don't get it then. Then we go to the ten yard line or something, and then two point conversion off. Literally, no ties. There should be no. I I want that to be brought up in the next player or in the next. If they have a, I know baseball has a CBA agreement. If the NFL is something like that too. They need to talk about that. Ties need to go. That is not a thing. There's not a thing in literally any sport except the NFL. It isn't soccer. But I'm talking professional outside of the MLS because soccer, you can't get rid of ties in soccer. I understand that. We're talking between, like, baseball, football, basketball, hockey. There are no ties in sports. Get rid of it in the NFL. Even college football doesn't have ties. Get rid of ties. That has to be a thing. Nonetheless, that was that game. Next one, Colts-Jaguars, 23-17. Colts won this game, but did not look good doing so. They let the they let the Jags right back into this game. Shout out any James Robinson fantasy owner for the 18 points this week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't do too well. Didn't make any mistakes, but a lot of incomplete passes. Jonathan Taylor had another monster day on the ground. 2-1 carries, 116 yards and a touchdown. I do believe, did Indy special teams get a touchdown, or was that the week before? Uh, I got to do some math real quick one touchdown on the ground. No, I think Indy Yeah, Indy had a defensive touchdown. No, they they had three field goals. I, it was a defensive touchdown that I saw. So good looks for that perspective and just really getting the job done in all aspects for Indy, not completely falling flat and not doing a good job. Of finishing that one, but they're able to take it 23-17. I had 10 on Indy there. 13 on Pittsburgh for the tie, by the way. Next up on the docket, Titans-Saints 23-21. I had the Titans for four. This was one of my lower confidence games. I feel like this game should have been a lot more of a blowout, or the Titans should have won this by a little more because the Saints were beat up. No Alvin Kamara this week. Mark Ingram got his first rushing touchdown back with the Saints. Trevor Simeon threw two touchdowns. Uh, touchdown for Tannehill. He also ran one in. And the rest were field goals for them. And for the Saints, their touchdowns, yeah, two in the air and one on the ground. Pretty uneventful, pretty boring game. Titans take it 23-21. Next one, this was a huge one. Upset of the week. Buccaneers um, had 14 on them. They lost 29-19 to to the football team. Rough game for Tom. He looked all out of sorts. Uh 23 of 34, 220 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Nothing really going in the running game or in the passing game in general. Washington, their defense looked fantastic. Antonio Gibson with two rushing touchdowns. Taylor Heineke got one done in the air to DeAndre Carter. And they were just they they got the job done in all aspects for Washington. Huge win. They're now three and six. And I guess not, nobody's really out of it in that NFC East division in terms, of, in terms of the wild card, I should say. I think that the Cowboys got the division on locks, but anything could happen in the wild card. Next, uh, this one was interesting 34 10, Panthers over the Cardinals. And I, I told the only reason I had 15 on the Cardinals, Kyler was ruled out Sunday. The last time I switched my pick for the cards, they won, so I wasn't going to do it again. Colt McCoy did not look good in this game. Arizona really had nothing. This was all, this was the Cam Newton game. He comes back. He didn't he wasn't even start quarterback, he's set to start next week. He, gets, he had a rushing touchdown, a throwing touchdown in his first two drives, rips off his helmet, and screams that, I'm back. Yes, you are, Cam. And Carolina's also just as much in this hunt for this last wild card spot as anyone. How how funny would that be if Carolina comes back from the dead, basically, having Sam Darnold looking terrible, and has Cam Newton, and, ha- and Cam Newton leads him to the playoffs. That would truly be something special. Big win for them, 24, or 34 to 10 over the Cardinals Cardinals fall to five and two Panthers are now 500 at five and five next one Vikings 27 Chargers 28 eight on the Chargers I saw this one going either way I guess some of my bias against the Vikings kind of hurt me here but then again I expected more of the Chargers they've been kind of skidding lately really good game for Kirk Cousins 25 37 in the air for two touchdowns 294 yards uh, Dalvin Cook 24 carries 94 yards and a touchdown Justin Jefferson was the receiver of the day with nine grabs and 143 yards for the Chargers Herbert he looked not great again, 20 of 34 in the air, less than 200 yards of passing with a touchdown and a pick. And, and I mean, they scored 20 points. That was off their two touchdowns and a field goal. Round tree was able to grab the other touchdown for the Chargers. Big win for Minnesota. They out are now up to four and five, whereas the Chargers are now five and four. Next one, Eagles-Broncos. I had six on the Broncos. This was a bad look. Um, I think the big story was Teddy Bridgewater selling after – Fumble recovered by Darius Slay. He's running back. Teddy Bridgewater could have shoved him, knocked him down. Teddy Bridgewater decided to just not make a play, and Darius Slay took it all the way back to the end zone for a defensive touchdown for Philly. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 16-23 in the air, 178 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Devonta Smith was his top target of the day with four grabs, 66 yards, and two touchdowns. Denver's offense, they scored one touchdown, the rest were field goals, and that was a Melvin Gordon rushing touchdown. Other than that, nothing cooking. That Broncos defense, who looked great against Dallas a week ago, not the same against this NFC East foe in Philadelphia as they lose thirty to thirteen. Philly is now four and six. Denver falls to five and five. Next up, Packers, Seahawks. And the Russell Wilson return game. First time Russ has ever gotten shut out as a starter Seattle. Seventeen nothing. Packers, the final. I had nine on the Packers. This was a three-nothing game till the fourth quarter, and then they added in in um Two A.J. Dillon rushing touchdowns. Rodgers 23-37 in the air, 292 yards and a pick. No touchdowns for him, and obviously I can't really say anything about Seattle. Uh, Green Bay's defense looks really good, and it, it might be the strongest of their team this year, which is kind of wild. They On the season, they are now 8-2, and, and Seattle falls to 3-6. Might miss the playoffs this year. Probably will. Next, an absolute thrashing on Sunday Night Football. Should have put more points on the Chiefs, 41-14 the final. Patrick Mahomes went out there and balled out, threw for five touchdowns. 35 of 50 in the air, 406 yards and five touchdowns. They even ran a fake punt, which was pretty cool. Uh, Top receivers, Darrell Williams, the running back, nine grabs, 101 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey had eight grabs for 119 yards. And lastly, Tyree Kill, seven grabs, 83 yards and a touchdown. The Raiders looked all out of sorts. Derek Carr, 25 of 35 in the air, 261 yards, two picks and a touchdown. He was throwing just the most random passes in the air. He's basically asking for them to be picked off. I'm surprised he only had one interception on the night. Raiders defense didn't look good. Neither did their offense. Kansas City showed up, bought out in every way. They're six and four. The Chiefs might be back. And with the Chargers starting to skid, they might take this division. They're they're six and four. Chargers and Raiders are both five and four. It's really for anyone for the taking. And I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas City ends up pulling ahead. Big win for them. Lastly, Monday Night Football. This one kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh 31-10, a three-touchdown or two touchdown win. San Fran over the Rams. The Rams fall to 7-3. San Fran is four and five. Um. Yeah, I mean, the the second straight week of the Rams coming out on prime time and looking absolutely flat. Matt Stafford did not have a good game, threw another pick six, 26 of 41 in the air, uh, 243 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. No running game at all. Daryl Henderson, five carries for 31 yards. Cooper Cup got his 10 grabs in again, though, so that's cool for any Cooper Cup fantasy owners. The one touchdown of the game was scored by Tyler Higbee. Receivers were dropping passes left and right for the Rams. Odell did not really have... Much of an impact in this one for two grabs of only 18 yards. Jimmy G looks solid again, 15-19 in the air. I mean, this game was predominantly carried by the running game, but Jimmy G completed the passes he had to. to 15-19 in the air, 182 yards and two touchdowns. Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries of 91 yards and a touchdown. Receivers were going crazy, though. Samuel, Debo Samuel, five grabs, 97 yards and a touchdown. George Kittle, five grabs, 50 yards and a touchdown. They were able to score three offensive touchdowns. And then the one defensive touchdown that they needed to beat arguably the NFC's West the NFC's best team, but possibly not anymore. I mean, in terms of their roster, statistically they were not the best team, but their roster definitely had the most was is the most loaded. The NFC currently conference rankings. We have at toward the top, Tennessee's eight and two. They are two games ahead of any team in the AFC, followed by a couple six and three teams of Buffalo and Baltimore. And then out in the NFC two, eight and two squads in Green Bay and Arizona followed by a couple seven win teams in Dallas and the Rams. Now, let's do yeah, let's go this week. Week 11, I have my predictions in. let's see if I can actually have a good week. Uh tomorrow night Patriots Falcons Thursday night football. I got the Patriots on the road. I have 10 confidence points on them as of right now. Patriots are rolling and Atlanta just dropped an absolute egg in Dallas. I mean, I guess that gives every reason for Atlanta to come out on primetime football and beat the Patriots and I wouldn't be surprised cuz that's how this season has gone. I think you got to ride the hot hand. New England looks really good. They look like a playoff team. I got them over the Falcons on the road. Next up, Ravens-Bears. Um, I have nine on the Ravens because, I mean, this is trying to be non-biased and trying to actually pick for reality. I'm obviously going to get sure for the Bears to win, and if the Bears win, I don't care about this poll because then we'll have beaten the Ravens. Um, they did have a really bad week against Miami, though, which leads me to believe they could come out flat. They, they tend to not play well against teams below them. They They – they shouldn't even have beaten the Lions. They beat it on a 66-yard doink field goal by Justin Tucker. Nonetheless, I have nine on them, but I definitely obviously am pulling for my Bears to win. Uh should be an interesting one. Uh, I think I'm more focused for the Bears on the, the Thanksgiving game next week. Uh, it should be eight days from now against the Lions. I mean, it's a short turnaround, but the Lions have to do it as well. Are the Lions home this week? They are not. Fantastic. Okay, at least the Lions will not be at home for back-to-back weeks. But we'll see what happens. should be a good one. Uh speaking of Lions next game, Lions Browns in Cleveland. I got 14 on the Browns. I know they looked awful last week, but the Lions are the Lions. And hopefully Cleveland can bounce back at home. I don't even care. if Baker Mayfield's not even healthy, I'll still take Case Kane. I mean it'll be a much closer game if Case Kane's playing, but I still think the Browns defense. I mean, come on. The Browns defense is pretty solid. They had a bad week against New England. You know, defenses are going to have bad weeks in New England as a mastermind behind their offense and Bill and or Bill and um, you know, just the the whole Regime there. So, I, I, it's the Lions defense is not the Patriots off. Josh McDaniels. That's, geez, how did I forget Josh McDaniels' name? Josh McDaniels and Bill have that offense down to a science. I don't see how the Cleveland loses this game. But then again, I've been wrong many, many times in the past. I got 14 on the Browns. Next one. Points were hard to give out this week, I'll say, because there's a lot of close games. So, I balled out for the Packers, Vikings. This will be a close game and a good one. I got 11 on the Packers. I don't like either one of these teams. So, I couldn't put bias aside here. I have to take the best team. I mean, if the Vikings – I could very easily see the Vikings win, but in terms of confidence points, you'll see why later on in these picks. There's a lot of evenly matched teams that I have no idea how it's going to end. 11 on the Packers. Next, Texans-Titans. This was not a difficult one. Titans are the best-recorded team in the AFC. Texans are really, really bad. I got 15 on Tennessee, and they're at home if that adds any sort of leverage. Titans over the Texans. Uh, Colts-Bills. I got 13 on the Bills. Uh, The Colts are not bad, but they – Barely were able to hold on to a lead against Jacksonville last week, and the Bills are one of the most potent offenses in the league, and they're at home in Buffalo. Bills Mafia go crazy. I got 13 on the Bills. Jets, Dolphins. Wow, stink bowl. Everyone's saying take the Jets, but you really are going to trust the Jets right now. I got the Dolphins on the road. The, the, the road, the, the climate might play a factor for these guys. Tua might have more turnovers in New York, but considering Joe Flacco might be playing quarterback for the Jets this week and how good the Dolphins? Stevens played last week against the Ravens. It's only three confidence points, but I'm feeling pretty good with Miami. Next, this is my lowest confidence points total of the week, just because we don't know about Alvin Kamara and the quarterback situation is all messed up in New Orleans. Saints at Eagles. I got two on the Saints. I could very easily flip this, but I don't know. The Eagles are just too inconsistent. I think I kind of know what I'm getting with the Saints now, so that's why I'm going to ride with the Saints at two on the road. Next, this is my highest point of the week. 49ers at Jaguars after a big win on Sunday Night Football. I mean, that's every reason why they would mess it up in Jacksonville. I don't think that's going to happen. Niners are going to roll past Jacksonville on the road. I got 16 on San Fran. Washington at the Panthers. Uh, This is Cam Newton's uh, revenge game against his old coach, Ron Rivera. They're saying he's probably going to get the start this week. This is a toss-up as well. These are two pretty evenly matched teams. The one thing you can make a case for Washington, Ron knows how Cam's going to play, but I don't know. This Panthers team just had a big win last week. I mean, Washington did too against the Bucs. It's in Carolina though, and I I don't know. I think Cam's going to come out fire, and I got the Panthers for only four points, but I could very easily flip that to Washington. Don't be shocked if I do so. Next up, we got Bengals Raiders. I got five on the Bengals on the road in Vegas. This was another one of those. Ooh, These are two pretty evenly matched teams. I don't know how I'm going to pick this one. I think I'm just going to stick with the Bengals. They've had a couple rough run-ins, but then again, the Raiders are completely lost at home against the Chiefs last week, and I think the Bengals can bring a little more on the defensive end than Kansas City, which is saying a lot. But Kansas City's defense has not been good this season, they were able to keep Derek Carr and the Raiders under control. So I'm going to take the Bengals for five on the road. A lot of road dogs this week. Cardinals, Seahawks, speaking of road dogs, trend continues. I got eight on the Cardinals. I'm hoping if Kyler and all of them are healthy, yes. Even if not, I don't know. Seattle looks really bad. They weren't even able to score last week. But I'm hoping this – either way, this Cardinals defense got to step up. There was no injuries in the Cardinal defense against a P.J. Walker and Cam Newton run Panther offense last week, and they allowed 34 points. I'm hoping a step up from Arizona's defense will do the trick. I got Cardinals for eight on the road. I got three home dogs to finish us out. Chiefs, Cowboys, I got six on the Chiefs. This is going to be a great game. And I could would not be surprised if Dallas wins this, but I just think the Chiefs are getting hot. They're at home, Chiefs Kingdom. If it was in Dallas, I may have picked the Cowboys. Different story. I don't know what the weather's going to be like in Kansas City this week. Cowboys have had some – I mean, both teams have had some pretty bad games, but the Cowboys did just a couple weeks ago not look good against Denver. So I'm keeping the recency in there. I'm going to take the Chiefs for six. Sunday Night Football, Steelers Chargers, kind of a cool one. We don't really see Sunday Night Football for the Chargers often, especially when they're home. And I think – If it was in Pittsburgh, this would be a really tough call. But because it's not, and I'm not sure about the health of Big Ben, I think the Chargers are going to be motivated. They're fired up. They've had a couple rough losses. I'm going to take them at home for seven. Lastly, Monday Night Football. Bucks hosting the Giants, and that's a huge key factor in this. Tom doesn't play the Giants well, historically. Obviously, the Super Bowls with the Patriots. Even last year on Monday Night Football in New York, they barely snuck out a jersey with a win different story this year. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's a they're double digit underdogs. Giants are like 11 point underdogs. So I think they'll cover that, but I still think the Bucks win this. I have 12 on Tom and Tampa. So that are my that's my picks for the week for the NFL. I was going to do some brief fantasy talk. I went two and one last week in my head to head leagues, and my guillotine league I advanced. Um my fantasy stars I'm trying to go league by league. Justin Jefferson was awesome. He was my top scorer, my 12-man. In the one league I lost in, my top player, uh, Dalvin Cook, played pretty well. He had 20. And then in my 10-man league, my top performer last week, uh, CeeDee Lamb and Tyreek Hill. I had both them in the same receiving core. They combined for over 50 points, which was super cool. Uh, this week, lineups. The 12 man. As of right now we're rolling with Justin Herbert at QB1. My running backs are James Robinson and Zach Moss. Don't judge. Derek Henry's hurt on the IR, so I'm kinda I'm kind of stuck there. Justin Jefferson and Jalen Waddle. I do have Waddle and Gasicki both in the same lineup, but they're both playing the Jets this week. Tua likes throwing to Jalen Waddle. Hopefully he's the quarterback. And Gesicki he got zero points last week. Super disappointing. Hopefully he gets off that. Um and then I got Emmanuel Sanders in the flex against Indy. I might change that though, with actually Jerry Judy's in a bye. Elijah Moore would be my only switch, so I don't know. It'll probably be Sanders. Dolphins defense against the Jets and then Matt Prater. (laughs) I got a lot of noon guys in this. Every single player plays at noon besides Justin Herbert and my kicker. Six man league, my stacked league. I'm really rough. It's a four game losing streak. I got Kyler Murray, QB1, Cook, and Kamara, my running backs. Hopefully, DeAndre Hopkins picks it back up, wide receiver. McLaurin had an okay week last week. He's wide receiver too. Andrew's at tight end. Right now, my flex is David Montgomery. But I have options. I could go DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett. Uh, not doing Mike Williams, Hunter Renfro. I just picked him up. He's been people make fun of Hunter Renfro. The dude is one of the most consistent fantasy receivers. He's had one game where he scored six and a half points. Other than that, he's scored double digit points in every game this year. And as a flex guy, that's consistency, and that's what you're looking for. There's now with Bucks defense and Tyler Bass, six man league. I got Murray, Chubb, uh, Robinson. Terry Kill, cd lamb dawson knox who had a really bad week last week renfro in the flex cardinals defense against seattle and then i have to switch my kicker matt on a bye i have a claim in for matt prater uh guillotine league this is the fun one i've advanced it's down to the final four last week was a rough week but because in week nine my team was the top scoring team i didn't have much to worry about this week i got lamar at qb Diggs wide receiver one at 30 points great week last week i went on the The waiver wire spent my uh, fantasy money. I picked up two great targets from the team that got cut. I have Mike Evans as wide receiver, two, and Jamar Chase in my flex. I went, spent, balled out, spent a little free agent money, and my receiver room went from Stephon Diggs, Terry McLaurin, and Michael Pittman. I still have McLaurin and Pittman on my bench, but I just stepped out my team a ton, and I'm going to need all the help I can get with three other stacked teams left. Running backs, hopefully Kamara plays Sunday. He's RB1. Um, I have James Robinson in RB2 right now, but I'm hoping Nick Chubb gets cleared against Detroit because that's a massive dub in terms of fantasy matchup. Darren Waller did not have a great week last week, but I'm still rocking with him as my tight end. Like I said, chasing the flex, Matt Prater kicking, and then I got Cleveland's defense against Detroit. I stream defenses in this league. So it's kind of my fantasy outlook for the upcoming week. Uh wishing everyone else luck in their fantasy games. Terms of top pickups this week, Ramondre Stevenson from the running back position. He was a big one to go get. And make sure to definitely look in if Damian Harrison is not playing Ramondre Stevenson has got to be a guy you go pick up. If you didn't pick up Elijah Moore last week and he's still available in some leagues, definitely go give that guy some love. Other deeper leagues, Rashad Bateman is definitely the guy to go get at wide receiver. All right. Let's get some college football rolling. Still a lot to talk about, and college football, it's a hot topic of discussion. Uh, last week's slate, any, in terms of any big upsets, arguably the game of the year, Thursday night was Pitt over North Carolina in overtime, 30-23. to Cincinnati on Friday beat South Florida. Bama rolled New Mexico State on Saturday. Michigan, big late comeback win over Penn State. Uh, in the battle of the two ranked Big 12 teams, number 13, Baylor, upsets Oklahoma at home 27-14. Both quarterbacks looked awful. They played Williams and Rattler for the Sooners, and both were unable to do anything. This Oklahoma team I'm not a fan of. I've never liked this team. They're frauds, in my opinion. Mississippi State, big upset went over Auburn, 43-34. Uh, number 18, Wisconsin, beats Northwestern by four touchdowns, 35-7. 24-ranked uh, Utah I had some trouble with Arizona on the road. They were, I think, 24-point favorites. They only beat Arizona by 9, 38-29. Uh, number one, Georgia continues their dominance. Tennessee was able to score double-digit points on them, something no other team's done this year. 41-17 the final for the Dogs. The offense was able to get the job done. Big big day on the ground for James Cook. 10, yar- ten carries, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. He was the offensive leader for them. Uh, big game, Purdue, Ohio State in the shoe. Ohio State takes care of business. High-scoring affair. A combined 90 points, 59-31 the final. Uh, Aiden O'Connell for Purdue, passed for 390 yards. But Ohio State's offense was clicking. C.J. Stroud threw for five touchdowns, 31-38 in the air, 361 yards. Uh, Big game on the ground for mine. Williams, uh, 14 carries, 117 yards, no touchdowns. Then the other half of the running back tandem, Trayvon Henderson, 19, 13 carries, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Everyone feasted from the receiving core. Jackson Smith, Najigba we had nine catches for 139 yards and a touchdown. Garrett Wilson had 10 grabs, 126 yards and three touchdowns. And, and Chris Olave, nine grabs, 85 yards and a touchdown. CJ Stroud took care of his big three receivers. Ohio State is looking more and more like a playoff team, and I almost want to pencil them in as long as they win out. Iowa knocks off Minnesota 27-20. 23rd-ranked UTSA struggles against the worst statistically worst-ranked offense in the country in Southern Miss, but they still pull out the victory 27-17. Number seven, Michigan State over Maryland, 40-21. Big win for the boys in a bounce back. We're 9-1 now. Uh, Peyton Thorne, 22-30 in the air, 287 yards of passing, four touchdowns and a pick. Heisman candidate Kenneth Walker, 30 carries, 143 yards and and two touchdowns. And then in the air, Jaden Reed, eight grabs, 114 yards and two touchdowns. The big three of the offense was clicking in this one, able to take down the Terps at home. Ranked matchup in the SEC, Ole Miss, 19-29 over Texas A&M. Matt Corral. 24-37, 24-37, 247 yards and a touchdown. Another great game. No touchdowns, but Jerrion Ealy on the ground. 24 carries for 152 yards. Ole Miss able to pull off what's quote-unquote the upset because they were the lower-ranked team at home, 29-19. Notre Dame taking care of business on the road against Virginia, against the nation's leading passer, who did not play. So they had the rock with Jay Wolfolk, so I didn't know Armstrong was not going to play, and that probably explains more of why the score was what it was. Jack Cohn, good game for him, 15-20 in the air for three touchdowns, 132 yards. And on the ground for Notre Dame, the fourth touchdown, Kyron Williams, 14 carries for 70 yards. Good team win for Notre Dame on the road. Uh, big shootout in the ACC between two ranked teams. Number 12, Wake Forest knocks off number 16, NC State, 45-42. to 42. Sam Hartman, 20 of 47 in the air, 290 yards, three touchdowns, but three picks to his name. He also ran for a touchdown, and then otherwise on the ground. For Wake Forest. They were able to get two touchdowns from Justice Ellison, their top running back. NC State in the air, Danny Leary, 37 of 59 in the air, 408 yards, four touchdowns, and two picks for him. Receiving receiving core was led by two men, Ameka Mazili, who had ten grabs for 133 yards and two touchdowns. And then Devin Carter, who had seven grabs for 132 yards and two touchdowns. Great offensive showing from both teams. The defenses, though, not good looks for either one of them. Big win for Wake Forest at home. Arkansas able to hold off the upset train on the road. 25th ranked Arkansas takes down LSU 16 to 13 in overtime. A good defensive matchup. KJ Jefferson, 18-25 in the air, 142 yards and a touchdown, and for LSU, Max Johnson didn't really get much of the looks. They ended up going with freshman Garrett Nussmeyer, who did not really have that great of a day, Uh, 18 of 31 in the year, 179 yards, and a touchdown with two picks. I guess they were done with Max Johnson, and they wanted to try and get new feels in there. Tyron Davis, Price on the ground, did not score a touchdown, but had 28 carries for 106 yards. Um, Oklahoma State, an absolute stomping of TCU at home, 63 17 for the 10th-ranked team in the country. Uh, This game was carried. They had had scored eight touchdowns on the ground, if I'm reading that right. Yes, eight touchdowns on the ground with one passing touchdown. Everyone is feasting the running back room. Sophomore running back Dominic Richardson, 12 carries, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. But wait, there's even more. Senior running back Jalen Warren, 17 carries, 113 yards, and three touchdowns. Wait, follow that up. Freshman running back, Jaden Nixon, three carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown. And last but not least, another senior running back, Desmond Jackson, 15 carries, 68 yards, and two touchdowns. The run game was alive for Oklahoma State in this one. It really didn't. Spencer Sanders didn't have to do much. Only attempted 25 passes, 17 of 25, 235 yards, and a touchdown. Solid game for the defense, but the offense is the story out there in Stillwater. Uh, Pac-12, number three, Oregon over Washington State, 38 to 24, uh, got Anthony Brown 17 to 22 in the air, 135 yards and a touchdown. Their running game really took over, though. Saw Byron Cardwell nine carries for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Anthony Brown himself 17 carries for 123 yards and a touchdown. A lot of lot of legs in him. And then lastly, Travis Die, the junior running back, 18 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown, able to take down the Cougars at home, 38 24. Lastly. Close one, non, a non-power five one. Uh, San Diego State, twenty two-ranked two San Diego State, 23-21 over Carson Strong and the Nevada Wolfpack. Carson Strong, the NFL quarterback prospect, whose stock is rising, 34-48 of 48 for three touchdowns, 350 yards for Strong in the air. But San Diego State's defense was able to hold him down in a big victory for the Aztecs at home. This week... Starting tomorrow, ranked mat, or Friday, ranked matchups 24 ranked Houston hosts Memphis. Number 19 San Diego State goes to UNLV. Number one ranked Georgia hosts on Saturday Charleston Southern. Uh, the big one Michigan State, Ohio State in the shoe at 11 o'clock Central Time on ABC. Uh, Wake Forest, 10th ranked ranked Forest, goes to Clemson. Number 13th ranked Oklahoma hosts Iowa State. Fifth, 16th ranked Texas AM hosts Prairie View. 25th ranked Mississippi State hosts Tennessee State. Illinois will head to Iowa to take on the Hawkeyes. Uh, Notre Dame now ranked eighth. They host Georgia Tech at 130 Central. Uh, ranked battle in the SEC, 21st-ranked Arkansas travels to Tuscaloosa to take on the number two-ranked Crimson Tide. Fifth-ranked Cincinnati, they host Southern Mes- Methodist at home, which should definitely be a go one. SMU sporting an 8-2 record and was at one point ranked this season. Number six, Michigan, the Wolverines are heading to Maryland to take on Toy- Talia, Tagovailoa, and the Terps. Uh, 15th ranked Wisconsin keeps climbing up the rankings. They host a three and seven Nebraska squad, eight and two Pittsburgh, 18th ranked the nation. They face Virginia at home. Not sure if Brennan Armstrong will play this week. If he does Armstrong versus pick, it'll be a fun quarterback matchup to watch. Uh, number 22 ranked UTSA. They host UAV 14th ranked BYU heads to Georgia Southern Danny Larry and the 20th ranked NC state Wolfpack. They host Syracuse 11th ranked Baylor. They travel to Kansas state. A ranked matchup in the Pac 12, which should be a fun one in the, in the evening. Number three, Oregon travels to number 23, ranked Utah. Lastly, number 12 Ole Miss. Ole Miss hosts Vanderbilt at night in Oxford. And then last but not least, the ninth ranked team in the country, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. They travel to Lubbock, Texas to take on the six and four Texas Tech Red Raiders. Now let's look at the we're going to All Sports News on Instagram. Great account. Shout out All Sports News. We're going to talk about their Heisman ladder because I like the posts that they do. Their weekly Heisman ladder, if he posted it. He did two days ago. He's got eight guys on there. Um, number eight is a uh, defensive player, Will Anderson Jr. Ohio State running back, Trayvon Henderson, is seven. Sam Cartman, Wake Forest quarterback, is six. Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback, who was once believed to be the Heisman front runner in the first half of the season, he slides to five. Kenny Pickett, the pick quarterback, is four. CJ Stroud, who's been making strides, the Ohio State quarterback, is three. Running back from Michigan State, Kenneth Walker's two, and Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, is one. I really think this is going to come down to Bryce Young versus Kenneth Walker. And now, non-quarterbacks can win this award. I, I think that needs to be blasted, that needs to be promoted, that needs to be made known. Obviously, last year Devonta Smith won it over Mac Jones and others. I think Kenneth can win this thing. I, I think it just he just needs to keep going off. And that, it sounds so like boring to say, but yeah, I mean he kind of does. He can't have a bad game because he's not a quarterback. He's going to be judged so crucially if he can have another big three, four touchdown game, if he, if he has a good game against Ohio state, granted, I don't think Michigan state's going to win this one this week, but if, if he has another big one this week, if he has a big game on the national stage, granted it's 11 o'clock in the morning, essential time, but against a team that is better than Michigan state, if I'm going to be honest, that'll really stand out like he did against Michigan. I mean, if you want, I guess I can make predictions. Uh, if I didn't, um, Georgia will beat Charleston Southern, Ohio State over Michigan State. I mean, I'm I want Michigan State, but if I'm taking from a perspective, actually you know what? No, I'm taking Michigan State to win. Wake Forest over Clemson, Oklahoma over Iowa State, AM over Prairie View, Mississippi State over Tennessee State, Iowa over Illinois. Just because I was at home, if it was at Illinois, I would take the Illini. Georgia or Notre Dame over Georgia Tech, Bama over Arkansas. I'm calling SMU over Cincinnati. It's a crazy pick. Someone's got to take down Cincinnati, and I think it's going to be SMU this weekend. Michigan over the Terps, Wisconsin over Nebraska, Pittsburgh over Virginia, UTSA over UAB, BYU over Georgia Southern, NC State over Syracuse, Baylor over Kansas State. I got Oregon over Utah, Ole Miss over Vanderbilt. I got all the better teams winning, Oklahoma State over Texas Tech. But my upset of the week is SMU over Cincinnati on the road. That's my pick. Oh, and then the other two games, um, I got Houston beating Memphis, and, I mean, 9-1 San Diego State's got to be 2-8 UNLV. So, yes, my upset of the week is SMU-Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati will fall this week. Anywho, yeah, I mean, Bryce Young's had a good season. You can't sit here and say that he hasn't. And it is a quarterback award. So, in reality, I think it'll be Bryce Young. But I, I, I Kenneth Walker is not going to go down without a fight. Mm. And that's for sure. Now, the rankings. The rankings did come out this week. And as it sits currently... We have, we'll go from 25 to the top. Uh, 25 through 20, it's Mississippi State, Houston, Utah, UTSA, Arkansas, NC State. 19 through 15 is, um, this is going backwards, uh, San Diego State, Pitt, Iowa, AM, Wisconsin. Wisconsin moved up three spots. They're on the way up. 14 through 10 is BYU, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Baylor, Wake Forest. And then 9 through 5 is Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Michigan State stays at seven, as does Michigan. At 6, Cincinnati 5, Ohio State 4, Oregon 3, Bama 2, Georgia 1. The top 7 don't move. So from Georgia and Michigan State, no one moves. And then within the top 10, some shuffling. Notre Dame up 1, Oklahoma State up 1, Wake Forest up 2. The big one, Oklahoma, falls from 8 to 13. Rankings seem right. I have no arguments. Uh, There wasn't really much action at the top 10. All all the the top 7. They all did their jobs. Notre Dame won. So, yeah, they get to move up. Oklahoma State gets to move up. It's all a result of if Oklahoma would have won, The only movement we would have seen would have been Baylor moving down, but because Baylor won, they got to move up, and everyone else kind of moves up around them as a result of that. So, another big week in college football. The big one is next weekend. I believe, yeah? Is next weekend the rivalry weekend? Yeah. On Thursday, Thanksgiving, we'll have Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Now that both teams are ranked, hopefully both teams win this week so they stay ranked. Well, I don't think – Ole Miss will not lose to Vanderbilt, but even if they did, I don't think they fall out of the rankings. With Mississippi State being 25, though, they need to win this week to stay in. Having two, both of them being ranked on Thanksgiving night would be fun. We have the Iron Bowl, Auburn, Alabama, Oregon versus Oregon State. Michigan State has Penn State, and that's because the Michigan-Ohio State game will be at 11 a.m. at the big house. Oklahoma's got Oklahoma State. That'll be fun. Bunch of fun matchups, all the in-state rivalries, minus a couple for certain reasons, will be that following weekend. So this is a good weekend, but the next one is the one to watch out for. College basketball, let's get after it um uh, had a couple upset losses right now hey man number 16 arkansas is in trouble in northern iowa they're only up one in the second half um today number 20 maryland lost to george mason that's something definitely to notice but yesterday we had a couple upsets in ncaa basketball and a couple pretty big ones too uh michigan loses to seton hall 65 67 65 tough loss but it was close BYU blew out number 12 oregon and the Phil Knight Invitational, 81-49. to 49. Oregon, all out of sorts in this game. They, they did not have it. As a team, they shot 21% from three and 32% from the field compared to BYU shooting 59% from the field, 40% from three. Just Oregon did not look good at all. In the Michigan game, it's a tough one. You're going to lose games like that, but early in the season is when it really stands out. Now, Monday's the big one is because I, I got – a couple buddies involved in this. this is awesome unranked Marquette takes down number 10 ranked U of I and what was a huge game for Marquette Daryl Morcel, 21 points for the the Golden Eagles leading the scorers. they obviously don't have Kofi Coburn because he started selling stuff based on his name image and likeness right before the bill got passed which obviously is a violation Trent Frazier led the way in scoring for U of I with 23 but he he did turn the ball over at the end of the game that that Ended up sealing the deal for Marquette. Big victory for um, the Golden Eagles. Shout out Marquette Golden Eagles this week as uh, they, they cap off or they started the, the upsets that we got going on. Uh, two straight nights of upsets. And, hey, if Northern Iowa can come back and pulled off against number 16 Arkansas, we'd have three straight nights of upsets within the top 25. Some madness going on here early in college basketball season. That's all I got for college hoops with it being early on. We'll talk to those. just a couple of the upsets. It's been kind of fun to watch. Now, the Bulls, man. I love this team. Love this team. Uh, since the Bulls didn't end up beating the Mavericks from last week, I know that game was going on mid-episode 117-107, the final. Um, big game from the big three, or the big four, I should say. DeRozan with 17, Vooch with 18, Ball, Lonzo with 21, uh, Levine with 23. Just a good overall effort. Crusoe at 16 off the bench. This team's really coming together nicely. Now we did have a tough loss. The Warriors are a really good basketball team. You know, they're up to, I believe they only have two losses now. I could be wrong. They are 12 and two best team in basketball. I mean, that was a tough one. You're, you're going to lose games in the NBA 93 or one hundred nineteen ninety three. but it's all about how you come back going to the Staples center. Now known as the crypto.com arena. We'll talk about that in a minute on Sunday and Monday night. Taking down the Clippers by 10, 190. Granted, no Kawhi Leonard, but I don't care. Um, that was a big one. DeRozan with 35. Levine with 29. DeMar's already looking like an MVP favorite, or an MVP candidate, I should say. He's fourth in the league in scoring with 26.9 points per game. And then right behind him, Zach Levine is seventh in the league in scoring. We have two of the top 10 scorers in the league on our team with 25.9 points. So that was a big one. But the the biggest standout win, even though there was no LeBron. Bulls over Lakers Monday night. DeRozan with 38, Ball with 27, Levine with 26. We've had no Vucevic this entire California trip, and the boys are just bawling out. And it's so much fun to watch this group. I think they need to move Caruso to the bench. He didn't score. I, he's just not. He's not going to get any touches in this offense, even without Vuce. Even when it's just DeRozan, Ball, and, and Levine. Obviously with DeRozan and Levine, but Ball's becoming. Lonzo's becoming a scorer now, and he looks real good. So I think you need that energy off the bench. I definitely think Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr., guys like that need to step back in. There's just so much depth on this team. Kobe White's back. Troy Brown Jr. is a nice little piece off the bench. I really hope he can develop throughout the season. Derek Jones has been playing well. Um, obviously, once we get Vooch back, we'll be rolling. I like Tony Bradley as a backup big, very underrated. He does what he has to do. Block shots, gets rebounds. He's just a big body in there. His inside scoring isn't awesome, I'm not going to lie. So I think in terms of trade deadline, the Bulls may need to add a wing, but I think they need to prioritize depth in the front court off the bench if they want to make a run deep into the season. Squad is ten and four though, and they look real nice. They're on tonight in about an hour against Portland on the road out west. Now, hasn't been much Blackhawks since we last uh, met. There's only been one game, but we beat the Coyotes on Friday, two to one. In a big one to it scored in the second to make it 1-0. Andrew Ladd, holy throwback. He still plays hockey. I, I texted my buddy after the game. I'm like, I didn't realize Andrew Ladd still played. He tied it up in the third. Dylan Strom on the power play. Welcome back, Stromer. Assisted by Jones and Kane. Broke the tie midway through the third. And that, that was enough to do it. Fleury had 22 saves. Hawks beat the Yotes. I get the Yotes are. They're arguably the worst. Yeah, not arguably. They are. They're 2-13-1. and They're the worst team in hockey. But, hey, you got to take every win where you get it. Hawks are on tonight, first ever matchup in the in the history of the franchise against the Seattle Kraken. That should be a fun one. Uh, the rest of this week, Saturday and Sunday, they're in Canada. They have the Oilers in Vancouver, Saturday, Sunday. And then next Tuesday, they're in Alberta to take on the Flames. So there are, yeah, there are three matchups within the next week of us meeting. And then for the Bulls, For the next week, obviously, tonight we have the Blazers. But then Friday, Sunday, and Monday, Bulls-Nuggets on Friday. That should be a good one. Back rematch against Tibbs and the Knicks Saturday night at the United Center. And then Monday night at the United Center, we take on the six-win Indiana Pacers. So, another good week overall. I mean, obviously, the Hawks only had one game in since the last time the show aired, and they won it. So, that's obviously good. Keep trending upward. Undefeated under Derek King. And... Three and one for the Bulls, beating the Mavs, and then going out west and beating the Clips and Lakers. Obviously, losing the Warriors, that's a tough one. But Steph's got a hot hand. That team looks real good right now. It should be real dangerous down the stretch. But a lot of good vibes here in Chicago right now. Bears play the Ravens this weekend. Uh, tonight, literally nine o'clock. Kraken Hawks. Kraken versus the Hawks. Bulls versus the Blazers. Great college football slate coming up this weekend. It's going to be some good NFL football on as well. And there are forever making moves. An MLB free agency. The MVP awards are announced tomorrow night, and who knows what'll happen for free agency until the next time we meet. But I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. This was a fun episode. Uh, we'll meet again next Wednesday. It is the holidays. I'll be home for uh, Thanksgiving break, but that's not the pod ain't gonna stop. Pod grind don't stop. Still once a week on Wednesdays we will be back. But until then, like thank you all for giving your time, tuning in to the pod, showing the pod some love, and uh, go watch some sports this weekend. It'll be a good one. Until next time, take care. Peace.